Well, uh, I'd like to welcome you to King's. It's great to see you here today and a special warm welcome uh, from myself. Uh, my name's Steve Tibber. I've led the church for over 23 years, but I haven't been around for the last three months or so because of a sabbatical. So if you've joined King's, started to attend King's just across the summer, it's great to see you here and I hope you enjoy the message uh, this morning. Uh, I want to thank the church and the elders and trustees for allowing uh, me to have a sabbatical, to invest in me and my family, to ensure that my own spiritual and emotional health is good, and we've had a great time, uh, but I'm excited to be back, and I'm looking forward to speaking on our Vision Sunday. We've called it Vision 2030. Um, uh, Before I get into that... uh, We had, across our sabbatical, another great family moment. Uh, Our second son, uh, Josh. Joshua got married to Roxy. There's a picture of uh, us on the wedding day. Uh, Josh was playing the drums at our Catford site this morning, uh, really involved in Kings. And there's a picture of us here. And you've got Ben and Alice, my eldest son. They've been married a few years. And then the beautiful Deb. And then Rox and Josh right in the middle. And then there's me trying to look cool. And then there's Sam looking cool. So uh, a great uh, day. And um, uh, just such great fun. I could say more about it, but I better press on. A Vision Sunday gives us the opportunity to look back and give thanks for all God has done. While at the same time gives me an opportunity as the leader of this church to look forward to all that we believe God is calling us to do. Recently, in the last four or five, six years, Vision Sundays have tended to look 12 months ahead. Today, I want to look 12 years ahead to 2030. And I believe today marks a new season in the life of kings. To be honest with you, the last eight years have been shaped by decisions we took nine or ten years ago. Uh, Since we bought the building in Lee, that fabulous facility, in 2010, and following the decision to go multi-site in 2011, that really has shaped the landscape, uh, landscape for really around a decade. Uh, But now we believe that, in a sense, the foundation has been laid for Uh, an increase of pace. Uh, And that's why today I want to lift our eyes uh, to to the horizon a bit, uh, to a decade, 12, 15 years ahead. It's a time, we believe, to pick up the pace, to move a bit quicker. And as we look at Vision 2030 today, as always, we want to be rooted in Scripture We want to be a church that's uh, founded on the Word of God, inspired by Scripture. And in the vision series, we're going to be in for a few weeks. We're going to root it in the book of Acts and in the famous church in Antioch, this model church, a church to aspire to be like. And uh, I'm going to introduce this series today uh, and, and let me read the Scripture right now. So this is in Acts 11, 19 to 30. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phocinia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, 
men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, one of them named Agabus. And he stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. And the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. I mean, uh, the Antioch church, what a church. A church uh, built in a, an urban context, very diverse, with huge local impact and massive global impact. Uh, they say that in the second century, Antioch had hundreds of thousands of people in the church. It's not unlike London. In fact, today, though, we're looking at what we're called to do. In this great city, there are hundreds of thousands of Christians gathering to worship Jesus. But also, they were a church with a, a, a global vision. Uh, they were a church that released their leaders to plant churches and Barnabas and Paul left this church, as recorded in Acts 13, on the first missionary journey to plant churches right across the known world. It's a great church to aspire to. We are uh, uh, quite a long way off uh, this great New Testament church, but it's great to to look at it and and to be challenged by it. And so we want to be inspired by Scripture. We want to be inspired by the Antioch church. We also want to be people that are prophetically led. And you've heard uh, me say this before, but uh, it's important to repeat. These words are still alive to us. And we have three key prophetic words that uh, shape the direction of kings. These are words that we've received over a number of years that have been weighed and tested by the elders here. And they've resonated uh, with us. And we, we feel this is what God has said to us. I want to remind you of them. One was one given to me, and it was a picture of kings like Niagara Falls, but with a call to be like Victoria Falls. And the word went like this. Kings is a strong church. It's got huge resources, and it's got some real power. I've seen Niagara Falls. It's it's a powerful waterfall. Um, But the call to us is far broader I've also had the privilege of seeing Victoria Falls. It is a mile long. It is of a different order. And the word came, Kings is strong, but the call is wide. And then a word we've lived with for a while, based out of a prophetic poem about a dream of a church with 5,000 people. 5,000 people uh, uh, fed with the word of God. Um, Rooted in Mark 6. 
And then uh, Steve Nicholson's word to us about a season of favour. And uh, Kings is far from perfect, but uh, when you look back over a few decades, you can see the hand of God upon us. We have seen the favour of God. We continue to see the favour of God, and we want to pray for more of the favour of God as we move forward together. As I have weighed and looked and prayed into these prophetic words, uh, I've noticed some common themes. They, they tend to connect both what's happening here locally with what God has called for us to do translocally or, 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 on, a, or on a wider front. I believe it means that we're called to build a church of thousands that serve hundreds of churches. And you see this in the Antioch church. They have massive local impact, but already they're having contacts and raising gifts for Jerusalem, and ultimately they release their leaders. And as we sought God and looked uh, to the future, to 2030, we've worked hard on finding a way of simply expressing our vision and what we're called to do. And we've come up with three key words or three key themes and I want to share with them share them with you now reach restore and resource we feel God is calling us to reach restore and resource and over the coming uh, uh, three weeks over the next three Sundays we'll spend some time in each of these words next week I will speak on reach then Phil will speak on restore and then Andrew will come in and speak on resource. But just a kind of taster for now. Reach. It says of the church of Antioch that some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks, also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. I just love this. A great number of people turn to the Lord. Here are persecuted Christians fleeing for their life, but they cannot help themselves but gossip the gospel. They just tell people about Jesus, and many come to faith. In the coming decade or so, we want to continue to be a church that's very missional, that is always thinking of the person that's not in the room yet. We want to do this through our, our, an invitational heart of come and seek. And we are hopeful that in the next decade there will be an acceleration of uh, new sites uh, and uh, more meetings. And we will uh, together invite many to come on a journey with us, uh, ultimately, hopefully, finding faith in Christ. Uh, A very visible uh, testimony to our commitment to this is the fact that we are sending out 140 people, mainly from our Catford site today. We're praying them out today as we launch the Beckenham site uh, on the 7th of October. Next Sunday, they'll be there. It's their dry run. And then we'll be launching, going live. We would expect to do this increasingly over the next decade. Um, That's exciting. A come and see uh, heart. But also, we want to strengthen a a go and tell component of who we are. We don't just want to, if I can say, just dependent on just people 
coming to us, we want to go to them. Uh, And so there's going to be a renewed emphasis on go and tell. That's what you see in the church at Antioch. Uh, I mean, the church isn't even established. In fact, the church is established by believers just telling the gospel. And we are uh, expectant and hopeful that that will increase in the coming years. Secondly, restore. It says in Acts, so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. As I read that again this week, it kind of jumped out to me that the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And sometimes when you're in church, you talk about it, you say, is that person a Christian or is that person a disciple? Well, it actually started with the disciples being called Christians. So if you're a Christian, you would assume that you're a disciple. It's not always the case nowadays, sadly. But the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And when it comes to restore, we want to continue to improve and grow in how we disciple inside the church. Uh, how we restore lives inside the church, how we restore relationships, how we help with people struggling with uh, life addictions or that we help people get restored out of debt. And we want to continue to do that. And hopefully we've done that in measure. And as we expand, of course, we want to strengthen that. But there's an additional component we feel God's leading us into that is that we want to have restore initiatives into our community. We already do this in degree with uh, the JRP projects, uh, the Feast and uh, uh, things like Big Red Box, our Christmas hamper uh, project and uh, uh, Christmas trees and a whole range of initiatives that we do. But we want to kind of seed fund some initiative from within the church. And so therefore, what we've done is we set an amount of money aside, some £25,000 in our budget which different people in the church kind of like apply for and say, could you give me some seed funding because I've got a vision to initiate a restore project into our community. Uh, the one guideline we're going to say is that if you want to initiate a, a restore project, you have to serve on Sundays. That's the whole thing we're going to say. Say, if you want to do it, that's what we're going to say. And we're expecting it probably to start in a group and to be faithful in a sense with small and see it multiply uh, and, and based on a site. Uh, but we want to empower, give permission, support, encourage initiative into our community. As we uh, look to do that, we also want to affirm uh, all of you, many of you, that actually your work context is where you are salt and light. The integrity you show in the workplace or in a business deal, or as you stand in front of uh, children in a classroom, or as you provide health care for someone who's uh, unwell, or, or the elderly, or as you're at home raising kids. That's all a part of everything we're called to do, that we, we have a, a, an integrating and a, and a holistic vision of discipleship, which, yes, is rooted in church, but is also rooted in kingdom. And so uh, exciting uh, call to restore. And then lastly, uh, resource. The disciples in Antioch, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. 
We feel we are called to be uh, an apostolic base, a, a church which has huge vision locally, and we feel our kind of our local remit is really um, is South East London. We had a discussion whether we should plant churches in places like Birmingham, Manchester, and other parts of the country. We even talked about is our our expectation to have sites north of the river, uh, but it seems that 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 kind of Barrier, uh, we haven't got there. I mean, we love London, but there is the south and there is the north. Uh, but um, if you're living in the north and you're travelling through the Black Hole Tunnel, you're very, very welcome, by the way. Uh, but we really feel our remit is up to the Thames, out to the M25, uh, down south to the M25 and across to Brixton. That's really where we see our local base uh, and... Uh, we want to build a, a thriving, healthy church so that it can resource a national and global or international vision. When you look at the, the narrative of Acts, when you look at the expansion of the gospel from Acts 1 in Jerusalem to Rome at the end of Acts, um, you see there is apostolic uh, uh, movement, but really it's built around four key churches. It starts with Jerusalem, we're looking at Antioch, and then there is Ephesus, and ultimately it ends in Rome. We believe that God has called us to be uh, a church like that. I mean, all churches are called to resource other believers and play their part, but we think that God has spoken through the prophetic words I've shared with you, that we have a role, a key role to play, uh, particularly in our own uh, family of churches, New Frontiers, where I already have uh, responsibility in the UK, and of course, at very least through Andrew Wilson's ministry, which I think is not only to our own network, but to the body of Christ, and already uh, the way that a lot of our resources help um, other churches. One of the things I'm really excited about is the request from Scott Marks in Zimbabwe in the partner church we have at River of Life for us to write curriculum for the school programs they're starting. And uh, I know a number of uh, Faye and Yvonne are gathering teachers and we've been asked to write the curriculum. And what a great example of uh, a resource project. And we're hoping there will be a massive multiplication of things like that in the coming years. I believe we're at a point, a tipping point, a turning of the chapter. Uh, It feels for me, it kind of is connected with my own life and ministry, uh, that there's a season ending uh, and there's a a new uh, season before us. I honestly believe it will mean in the coming decade we will see uh, greater things. We will see more breakthrough. We have an opportunity to see massive kingdom extension where thousands of people can be reached and we could serve hundreds of churches. It's great to join you live. I've had the privilege of speaking to the church across the morning and thank you for being here on such a beautiful day such a lovely day vision sunday so well done for getting here and as i've said already i believe that 
Today marks a change in the season. It's like a turning of a page in the book, a new chapter in the life of kings. I'm believing, I trust you are with me, that over the next decade or so, or to 20, 30, next 15 years, in that kind of time frame, uh, we will see mass extension, massive kind of breakthrough. It's an opportunity that a church rarely gets. We've now had two decades of stable growth and leadership has laid a foundation that gives us an opportunity to reach farther, restore more and resource more than uh, I would have ever dreamt when we first came here. Uh, What an opportunity. What a responsibility. In fact, when speaking uh, today or preparing for today, uh, whenever I look forward, I I tend to also look back. And uh, I was thinking about the first time I ever came to... um, to this building, King's. It was in May 1995, uh, and we came down and we had lunch. Deb and I had lunch with uh, Ron and Audrey Hopgood, uh, still in the church. Audrey hasn't been well recently. Do pray for her. They're still living in the same house, and we came and had lunch. And I remember it because Audrey gave me quiche, and I don't do quiche. You know, it, was, it wasn't, but I was trying to impress, you know, they, they were looking for a pastor and I was looking for a job. Anyway, and, uh, uh, and basically, so I ate the quiche, you know, I was that committed to the kingdom. And, um, and then I, uh, we came down to this building and uh, back in the day, you'd come in down this side passage just here and there's two red doors and over was this massive crack in the building, big gaping hole. And the, the building hadn't had any money spent on it for over a century. And we came in and we uh, well, it had some money, but not significant, Anne. Not significant. Not, not, I saw Antique. You've got to be careful because Anne and uh, Iris have, have been here for a few decades. And so they could tell you the real story. So, but anyway, my interpretation of it is it hadn't had a lot of money spent on the building for at least a century. And, uh, and definitely in the, the years coming up to us arriving and... Uh, we walked through uh, into the Bailey Hall, which we knocked down to build this auditorium, and uh, into porter cabins at the back where the staff used to work, about three or four staff, now some 40 staff on our team. So just to get a feel of the difference over two decades. And we, um, I met the, the, I guess they were the search committee. And uh, uh, what I discovered, though the church had been through a difficult season, was just remarkable people like Annie Twart. Some of you know Annie Twart. Some of you know Alice Bell, who was there. They were just there. They were in the search committee. Yeah. Is Alice here? Oh, there she is, Alice. Amazing. Amazing. And and recently, David Misselbrook, who was in the church for 30 years now as a doctor serving God in Bahrain, he came up to me just a few months ago. He said, uh, we were talking about it. He said, what I really liked about you, Steve, when you came is that you rocked up to the interview in your shorts. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, I was young. I was a bit like some of the youth pastors or young people around the church. They all look cool and trendy. You know, the latest thing is they wear tight jeans that are not long enough. You know that one? You know, things like that. <laughs> I mean, just, I've, I've watched the worship guys do it. I mean, I'm thinking, man, you're showing your socks. But, you know, but, um, but you know, I turned up in my shorts. Oh. And he was gracious enough to say he was impressed. What I discovered at King's was a remarkable group of people. Yeah? And, uh, see, leadership is really important in churches because it sets the direction and the environment and the culture without it. 
churches don't tend to flourish. But in the end, the real heroes of churches are the people of God. You're the heroes. Yeah? Great churches are made up of great people, hundreds of them. And we're fortunate to have that here at King's. I remember the time I was talking to Iris, she was telling me about a prayer group she was in when the church in the 70s had kind of got to about 38, I think. It was around that, 40, 50 people, not many people. And she was in a group and prayed for a renewal, a revival. Yeah. And so we honour you, uh, Iris and Anne. We do. Because... And they're just remarkable. They've seen a lot of change around here. They're always telling me how they love the music so loud. They just love it. So I just love the music so loud. So I know it's really good for the young people. I mean, they're they're exemplary. They're exemplary. I'm going to get in trouble for that one. But anyway. um, Or Norman Glanville, who is uh, Neil Glanville, one of our pastors, worship pastors, grandfather. In the first year I was at King's, he sadly died. I visited him in the hospital just before he died. And I asked him, do you want to make uh, peace with God? Is there anything you want to make peace with God? And he looked at me and he said, I made peace with God on a ship in 1939 going across the English Channel to war. Whoa. <laughs> Boy meets man moment. Yeah, I mean, it was just like... And... Uh, Not everyone knows that Norman post the war... Uh, served this church faithfully by setting his alarm every Saturday night to come on at 2am on Sunday morning, which he would get up. He was on the road to every week. Yeah, he would get up. That was his job. He came down at 2am to turn the heating on. Yeah? Yeah? I know some of you are worried about serving, but here we go. Norman would get up at 2am. Anyone want to volunteer for that rotor each week? You know, that's what Norman did. He did it week in, year in. Serving God. Yeah, amazing. We, we, we're, we're very blessed, but we're building off heroes. There are people that have given huge of their time and their resources and their prayer. What about this one? After a Vision Sunday, um, about a decade ago, we were just about to buy a building. The building was going to cost us three and a half million pounds just to buy. In the middle of one of the most, well, the downturn, the economic crash of 2008. We made the offer in 2009. So I'm casting the vision. I'm saying, we're going to buy the building. And then in the week afterwards, I get a phone call. Hi, Steve. Hi. Uh, look, we've been just praying, talking together. It was, it was the husband. They were talking about a, a family. And they were just praying. And we just, we just wanted to let you know we're really with you. And we're all in. And we, we want to give £25,000 to the building project. I've never, I've never had a phone call like that. I don't think I've had a phone call like that since, actually. To be honest. But it's the type of phone call you remember as a pastor when you're just about to go for a £3.5 million building. That's our history, friends. Huge sacrificial giving. Huge. People double tithing for two, three years. Huge commitment to the vision. And uh, I remember the phone call, he said, well, well, well I, I wouldn't normally tell you, but I wanted to get your advice on something. Do you want us to give it this Sunday, or do you want us to pace it out over the next three months? So I prayed for 0.3 seconds and thought, <laughs> thought for two. And I, I said, well, if, if you could give it this Sunday, that would be great. <laughs> so they, they said yes. That's good leadership there, all the young pastors, just learned that one, okay. Remarkable. 
I mean, who's going to be the next? Iris Feezy and Alice Bell who pray and pray through the decades for a church. Who's going to be the next Norman Glanville that's going to say, hey man, I'll get up at 2am. I don't know if any of us are going to do that, but I mean, he's just like, that's just amazing. I know a number of our worship leaders get up at, you know, get down here for seven. When I visited Toppy's church in Jubilee, the first person on site where they set up in a cinema is 4.30 in the morning, and then the team arrives at 5am. I mean, that's commitment to God's church. So the Beckenham team, who's, going to, who's, who's here that's going to Beckenham? Let's just wave at me for a moment. We're going to pray for you in a minute. Oh my gosh, there's a lot of you. Oh gosh, you're all leaving this out, oh my dear. But just, you know, when, you're, when you're, you're setting up and it's challenging and it's chucking it down with rain, think of Norman Glanville, would you? Think of Norman. And um, it's uh, just remarkable to follow these people. Today, friends, we are breaking camp again. It's time to move. It's time to step up. In fact, there are literally uh, about 140 people being sent out from this site predominantly uh, to the Beckenham site. Uh, They're moving. They're literally moving. Next week, they'll have their dry run, and then on the 7th, they'll launch the new site. I mean, it's a huge faith adventure. But if you're staying on the Catford site, I'm going to ask you to move as well. Because you'll turn up next week, and I tell you, there's going to be space. Yeah? And so you, everyone's going to have to literally move forward. You might have to sit somewhere differently, okay? Or you just go, hey, yeah, it's good here. We've got a lot of space. <laughs> okay, but it will require all of us to move, all of us to step up, if we are to fulfill what God has called us to do. Um. As you leave, you will be given a brochure. The brochure will summarize the Vision 2030 that I've presented today. And within it, there's going to be a huge ask of, uh, uh, of us stepping up when it comes to our giving. We're going to come to the church. We are coming to the church with a faith target of raising £2 million this financial year. And this financial year has already started. For us, it starts in September. It, is going to, it equates to a 10% uplift on our giving. So last year we gave 1.8 million, which is remarkable. And uh, this is one of five meetings across the church, soon to be six meetings on four sites. So we're a big church. We're well-resourced. A huge responsibility comes with that. But we want to kind of lift our game again. And so can I ask you, if we're going to fulfill our vision 2030, if we're going to reach and restore and resource many, then it's going to need a huge financial commitment. Can I ask you to pray into that and come uh, prepared in the weeks ahead to give? I believe today marks a new season in the life of this church. It's probably a season that will end with the end of my ministry uh, around 2030 when I'll be 67. And so I I tell you, I don't know about you, I am not going out quietly. Okay, I am not. I am going to be. I really. If if you've been, I mean, I'm. I am going. I am now. I'm feeling like an athlete that's just. I'm not looking like one, but I'm feeling like one, okay? I'm feeling like an athlete that is just coming to the last lap or two, and it's just everyone else is sort of feeling it. Oh, gosh, it's so hard here, two meetings. I'm thinking, come on, let's up the pace. Yeah, that's what I feel God's saying to us. There's an opportunity, a wind of opportunity, that if we take together, we could reach thousands for Christ and bless hundreds of churches. Amen? Amen. Amen.